0: Draw the line. Maxwell Street was known as the largest open-air market in the country in its day, and if today was any example, that rumor had to be true. The moment Ted turned the corner, the whole scene exploded in a chaos of commerce. A sea of people from all ethnicities and apparently all income levels spilled off the sidewalks and into the streets, moving like crowds down the midway at a carnival. Stores were crammed together with windows full of merchandise, and their doors open, often accompanied by a street display in the front where shopkeepers or employees hawked and haggled over their wares. This is crazy, said Jack. They'd driven around Chicago most of the day, but had seen nothing that came close to comparing to this. Yeah, there are businesses down here that have been here for years, and others have popped up just last night. There are so many customers down here, it's a real temptation for the entrepreneurial person to scratch their small business itch and set up a shop here, said Ted. The sound of drums, bass, harmonica, guitar, and then singing rose above the crowd noise and got louder as they continued down the street. A small group of blues musicians was jamming hard on the sidewalk in front of a saloon. They were surrounded by people dancing and shouting, pouring into the saloon for refreshments and out of the saloon to shop with a buzz. Maxwell Street attracts a lot of poor people in need of jobs, and people looking for a big discount on everything from clothes, appliances, cars, and tools, to just about anything else anyone might want, Ted continued. Some of the merchandise down here is hijacked or stolen from delivery trucks or pirated from railroad cars, but it's nearly impossible for the police to stop. If the price is right, happy customers don't ask a lot of questions. The crowd magically parted as Ted guided the truck to the side and parked snugly up against the curb in front of a pawn shop. He removed the small tarp and untied the last box in the back. Jack followed him into the pawn shop. Ted! shouted a voice from behind the counter. Mazel tov, my friend! Ben, so good to see you, answered Ted. I've got your order right here. Excellent, let's have a look, said Ben. Ted placed the box on the counter, whipped out a small pocket knife, and cut the tape that held the box tight. He pried open the flaps and lifted out one of several small white rectangular boxes and handed it to Ben. "'Oh my goodness, these are just what I had in mind,' said Ben as he flipped off the top of the smaller white box and lifted out one crisp business card. He rubbed the parchment stock between his thumb and forefinger and nodded his head approvingly. "'Perfect!' Merci, asked Jack. Ben looked over at Jack, and Ted realized he had failed to introduce the stranger he'd brought with him. Oh, Ben, I'm sorry, this is Jack, he said. Jack is riding with me today and helping me out. Jack, meet my good friend and serial entrepreneur, Ben. The two men shook hands, and Ben handed Jack the business card. Very nice, but why does it say pawn shop? asked Jack. That's a good question said Ben. Should I tell him, Ted? Ted nodded his approval. You see, this pawn shop here is a sort of base of operations for my family business. A pawn shop, especially a pawn shop on Maxwell Street, is a very interconnected operation. We loan money on all sorts of items. But people use the money for a whole lot of reasons that aren't necessarily to make ends meet or to stretch to payday. People borrow money here to start a business, buy a sign, rent a cart, and purchase inventory to bring here to sell. Everything is in motion down here all the time, but what people don't always see is the other side of our business. We're a regular store. We may acquire our inventory in unusual ways by buying it from individuals. We also supplement our inventory by purchasing some of it elsewhere. We're in the money business, and we're right in the middle of a whole world of deals. So in order to take advantage of the other opportunities, we go out in the suit and tie side of Chicago and do business with a whole group of people who would never set foot in a pawn shop. So that's why you need a great-looking business card, right? asked Jack. Yes, exactly, said Ben. We run many businesses, and this card is really an umbrella for all of our ambitions. It's complicated, isn't it? asked Jack. I run multiple businesses myself, and there are a lot of people in numbers to keep track of, aren't there? Ah, you can say that again. We used to have one crisis after another, because no one could remember a particular deal that one of us had made. And around here... Ben waved his hand palms up around the cases and shelves of every sort of product imaginable. It's very easy for anything to get lost. Well, you certainly don't look disorganized now, said Jack. The place looks neat and clean, and everyone around here seems to move about the store with a purpose. Like they know what to do, so they don't waste time when you're busy. Well, thank you, Jack, said Ben, smiling at the compliment. You have a very good eye for detail, my friend. Actually, it was Ted here who helped us set up the systems. Systems for taking in merchandise, for loans, for selling inventory. Heck, we even started setting up systems and writing down procedures, and it all really started to snowball around here. I came in here one day, and Ben had actually drawn up a system for getting lunch. For crying out loud, laughed Ted. Hey, you can laugh if you want, but the system worked. We still use it today. We just find that when people know what to do, things get done. And they get done faster, with fewer problems, and our employees ask us a heck of a lot fewer questions, too, said Ben. The less time I spend answering questions or making the same decision over and over, the more time I have to do the more important things that only I can do and more time for my personal and family life. Oh, there's no question that you're right, said Jack. We have a saying in my business. Any problem that happens more than two times, design a solution, make it into a system, and teach it to everybody. So we say, when this happens, here's what we do, and we don't freak out and try to call the boss. It's a waste of time to reinvent the wheel every day, "'And we get much happier customers because they don't have to see the look on the face of the employee "'who doesn't know what to do in handling a problem that they're having,' said Ben. Ben invited the men to take a tour of the store and showed them some of his systems, set up with painted lines for box stacking and charts and printed instructions, as well as some posters with steps on them for what to do in different situations. The lunch system was a large piece of cardboard taped to the refrigerator in the back room where they ate lunch and held meetings.' They walked through the warehouse, and Jack marveled at the amount of inventory that this small pawn shop held, far from the eyes of the average visitor in the streets. Ben explained that they were known to be a great resource for purchasing agents at growing companies in the Chicago area. Because Ben had bought truckloads of seconds, returned orders, freight damage loads, and the like, he often got calls for everything, from dozens of uniforms to tools, motors, women's lingerie, and baby bottles. "'The items in this warehouse would be worth millions in this condition at my time,' Jack whispered to Ted. "'The furniture, the machines, the clothing, the bicycles. Everything here is a treasure in my age.' "'What do you mean?' asked Ted, looking around the warehouse. "'I thought you said you had spaceships and all this modern technology. Who would pay anything for any of this old junk in the future?' "'Antiques, Ted.' People in my world are fascinated with the past, and they pay a lot of money for collectibles, said Jack. That seems crazy, said Ted. Well, who wouldn't want the latest and greatest of everything? Finally, they had toured the entire facility and had walked through dozens of doors that went in and out of small houses sitting next to the main store. Ben explained that they had bought these properties as he developed all the area around the shop. It was a pack rat's paradise. Ben claimed he and his brothers knew where everything was and could get to it in ten seconds. The men settled in around a table, just behind the big mirror that hung behind the main sales area, a large saloon bar from the 1800s. It was carved with ornate figures of dance hall girls, cowboys, and animals. Wow, you can see everything that's going on in the store from here. What a terrific idea to put a one-way mirror that reflects light to the store customers, but lets you see right into the store, said Jack. The conversation flowed among business people. Eventually they came to the subject of Jack's decision. Ben turned to Jack. So Jack, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your big decision? I'm interested in what other business people are working on. Okay, sure, I, I guess so, said Jack, taking out the journal he'd been writing in. He placed it flat on the table and drew five circles. I've got five businesses now, and each one of them is operating at above average cash flow. I'm happy about this. They all have their challenges, but for the most part, they're through the adolescent stage and they're growing nicely. But, asked Ted, I hear a big butt coming here soon. Well, the problem is not with the businesses. It's with me, said Jack, drawing a stick figure in the center of the five circles. I'm just not that interested in babysitting them, running them day to day. It feels too safe. There's no challenge. I worked so hard to get to this point, but I never thought about what it would be like after I got here. Are you bored? asked Ben. Well, I'm way too busy to be bored, Jack replied. I've got plenty to do, and believe me, I am grateful for the success. But I don't feel challenged by the routine. Well, why not just sell them all and go do something else? Ted asked. I've thought about that. But I also thought maybe what I should do is sell or convince one of my partners to buy me out and concentrate on taking one of them as far as I possibly can, said Jack. Kind of like the old days, just putting all my energy and creativity into seeing how big I could grow it. What an interesting idea. Ben leaned back in his chair and looked out across his store through the mirror. I don't know. It sounds like an intriguing challenge. But when I think about me doing it, it doesn't sound good. "'Well, why not?' asked Jack. "'Doing all these businesses, for me, is about making money, for sure. But more than that, it's about all the people I get to interact with. I love being an influence here on Maxwell Street, helping people and making things work,' said Ben. "'Taking just one of them and trying to squeeze maximum success out of it is a worthy goal, to be sure. But to me, it sounds like too much about keeping score with money.' I don't mean it would be bad for you, just for me. Oh, the money would be nice. And yes, that's a valid measurement of business success, right, gentlemen? Asked Jack. The others nodded and smiled. Is that your only decision? Is that your only option? To hold on to your cards and run these companies? Or to focus on taking one as far as you can? Asked Ted. Well, honestly, guys, there is something else. Jack leaned onto the table and drew a sixth circle away from the others, a much bigger circle. The other men leaned in to look as he continued. For the longest time, I've been wanting to coach other business people and teach them what I've learned, to help them solve problems and to handle transitions in their business lives. Very interesting, Jack, Ted nodded his approval. Does that sound good to you? Oh, brother, does it? said Jack, rising taller in his chair, obviously excited. I love using my experience to figure out new challenges and to work on businesses with other owners. Everywhere I go, I'm always looking at how people do business, just like looking at your operation here. It just gets me so excited. And the people I've been helping so far say they've really liked having someone like me who understands what it's like at this level instead of their spouse or vendors or employees. "'Well, why don't you do it then?' asked Ben. "'Put the other businesses up for sale, "'or get one of your qualified people to run them "'and go for what you really want to do.' Jack slumped forward and sat quietly in his chair. "'Was it really that easy?' Finally, Ben spoke. "'Most people I speak with settle for less "'than they ever really wanted out of life, "'less in terms of their income, relationships, "'and almost anything that requires time and energy. I have several friends and potential clients who tell me they just want to get by. They just want to make a living. They just want to survive. They simply don't expect as much out of life as they used to. They seem worn down and tired. Times have changed. Things are changing faster now that the war is over. We've gotten older, and economic conditions are tougher. Ted looked right at Jack. But one thing has not changed. You get out what you put in. I know what you mean, said Jack. I have many friends who say, I just need to make this much money per year to survive. These are the same warriors who years ago may have made $10,000 a day in their careers. People with seven-figure incomes in the past, and they now just want to get by? Seriously? I can't comprehend it, Ted continued. The world is full of abundance. There's so much out there for the taking. Now don't get me wrong. What people are willing to settle for is still a lot of money much more than the average person makes in a year, but why would anyone ever want to settle for anything? Why not get the most out of life and what it has to offer? The answer seems to be that people are worn down, many times by circumstances that are beyond their control, but many times the circumstances were in their control, like business, relationships, or even health-related issues. I get what you're saying, said Jack. I can get really excited about striking out on my own in the coaching, consulting, and speaking, and writing direction. But I'm really going to shake up a lot of people. And how do I explain this to my wife, my family? I just can't see how to get from here to there. Jack, here's a recipe for getting started. If you're up to the challenge, it's simple. I call it Drawn the Line, said Ted, taking Jack's journal and sliding it to the side of the table. Remember, we always tend to focus on the bad and to look first at the not-so-good things that are going on in our lives. So be prepared to accept the fact that there are positive things working in your life. Now let's begin. Ted took Jack's journal, turned the page, and drew a vertical line down the middle between the two open-facing pages. On the left side, write down everything that is currently working in your life. Be honest with yourself there's still a lot more going on that's good than you ever realized. Because these items seem to be in control, make a conscious effort to maintain them along the way. On the right side of the paper, start writing down a list of things that are just not working in your life at the moment. Take your time, and again, be honest with yourself. When you're done creating the not working list, I want you to rate each item individually on a scale of 1 to 5. One means you can live with this today. Four or above means this issue is unbearable and needs to be addressed immediately. The next step is to put the threes and below on the back burner for now. You'll be back to those soon enough. Now look at the issues that you described as most critical, the fours and the fives, the issues that are causing the most stress in your life. Think to yourself, What can I do in the next 60 to 90 days to make a small impact on any of these issues? What actions can I take to get myself moving in a positive direction that will allow me to start to create some relief in these particular areas of my life? Jack looked down at what Ted had written in his journal. He began to imagine what to write on each side of the line. Already, the clouds in his mind were beginning to part. It's really that easy. "'Isn't it?' he asked. "'Actually, in your situation, "'you need to begin by giving yourself permission to do what you want. "'To say that it's not possible means that we're not free "'and we're not self-directed. "'We're under the control of others and have no choices. "'I know you don't believe that, do you, Jack?' "'said Ted, tossing the pen on the journal as a challenge. "'Wow,' said Jack. "'I never thought of it like that. I spend so much time thinking about tactics and putting out fires, I guess I never did actually just imagine I could just decide to do this and then let the solution follow. Ted continued, Once you start to look at your life and business issues in small pieces, as opposed to these massive total entities, it'll allow you to move forward. As you start to move forward, look back on those worksheets and evaluate the progress you've made and start attacking the less stressful items on your list. That is, if they're even still there at all. Ben had been silent for a long time. Watching Ted work with Jack was fascinating to him. He finally spoke. Hey Jack, Ted is right about the drawing and the line. It's a great way to mentally experiment with our choices. Ted showed me this about three years ago when I was just a little pawn shop owner and I dreamed about expanding my business way out of my comfort zone. Well, that was obviously a good decision, said Jack, smiling. Yes, so it would seem now, said Ben. But at the time, it was such a crazy idea, I couldn't even tell my wife. My brother and I started out down here on the street, buying products from the docks and selling them on a cart. She was tired of taking risks and very happy to just run the pawn shop. What was it that motivated you to move forward? asked Jack. I can answer that, interrupted Ted. Ben loves to help people. Of course, he loves the hustle, the deal, the making the sale, and a good business deal. But if you want to see him really light up, watch what happens when he meets a young person with talent, drive, and potential. Uncle Ben! Hey, hey, hey! A young boy burst through the door like he owned the place and ran straight up to Ben, shouting. "'Easy, boy, what's going on?' Ben turned around to face the boy, who wiped raindrops and sweat from his forehead, and wiped his hand in his pants. He rolled up the sleeve of his small suit to reveal wristwatches crowded side by side all the way up his arm. "'Uncle Bet, I got this lady out front who's looking for a watch, and I don't have what she wants. You got one back there in the warehouse, and if you loan it to me, I'll go sell it to her now and bring you back the money,' said the boy excitedly. "'Okay, just a minute, I'll get it for you.' Ben excused himself from the table. The boy surveyed Ted and Jack for a moment, then burst into a big smile. Hi, my name is Will. I'm Ben's nephew. Pleased to meet you. He said, sticking out his hand and giving a firm handshake to each man in turn. Good to meet you, young man, said Jack. Mister, you don't have a watch? he asked, noticing Jack's bare arm with a trained eye. I can help you out with that, he said, rolling his sleeve up. What do you like? Big and masculine, uh, small and elegant. Jack laughed at the miniature salesman and started to say he'd quit wearing a watch since he started using a smartphone, but he obviously couldn't say that. Let's see what you got there, said Jack, leaning down to examine the young man's armful of inventory.